0: So I go to tack the boat to turn towards them. And I turn the wrong way off the wind to tack. (laughs) You're supposed to make the wind pass, you know, over the bow. And I just turn the wrong way and the sail gets all back winded. And Philip, too, he doesn't do the sails a lot. So he's struggling a little bit to remember what to do. And I mean, we got completely goobered, like our sail all caught up, tangled up. And they're like, oh, we know you. You're that experienced sailor who writes books and stuff. (laughs)
1: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun.
2: Episode 138, more sailing adventures with Annie Dyke. Welcome back to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is Travis. Back with me today is Annie Dyke. Now, you guys may remember that Annie Dyke was back uh, on a, the show with us a while back, and we have her on because she tells us awesome stories about sailing. And the cool thing is is that Annie, as busy as she's been, uh, has written another book, and we're going to go into that a little bit. But, um, of course, we want Annie to come on and tell us great stories from that book and about their experiences out on the water. So, Annie, welcome back to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Travis.
2: It's always great to have you. So for our listeners that may not have heard the previous episode, uh, help, help me run down. Give them a little bit of background on who you are. Um, you started off as an attorney, and right. there was essentially a big moment in your life that made you just decide to scrap all of that. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you end up here from there?
0: Sure. Looking back on it now, it's um it's kind of a crazy transformation. Uh, It seems like it went so fast. It was probably about a two to three years sort of transition. Um, I was a lawyer. I was practicing in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, I eventually ended up practicing six years. But around the fifth or kind of fourth and a half-ish, um, I was just sick of it. <laughs> Going to the same job every day and just kind of sitting in a cubicle locked in mountains of documents, you know, you just kind of start to stare out the window and see a different horizon. And, um, my second book actually, which you just touched on, uh, goes through that whole transition. So I was practicing attorney and, um, actually just come off a divorce, never fun, but it's always something that makes you kind of reassess and re, you know, evaluate everything in your life. And once I'd kind of made that adjustment that this isn't right for me and I need to make a life change, I started looking at my career, of course, as everyone does, and I met Philip, my um, boyfriend now, around that time, and he was talking of going down to the Grenadines on a friend's boat for a week, wanted to sail the world, and I wanted to do anything but practice law. (laughs) So kind of hooked up with him, and we started talking about sailing. I did my first sail with him. It was an article I wrote in Cruising Outpost years and years ago, but fun story, and um, did the first sail, loved it. And we decided we were going to get a boat and go cruising eventually. So about a two year process, Salt of the Sailor covers our getting the boat and bringing it home. And then my second book, Keys to the Kingdom covers kind of the whole thing of leaving my job, which was a little bit scary. And, um, you know, jumping off without a real source of income quite yet, everything fuzzy on the horizon, but just deciding, you know, I just, the time of my life, I want to do it. I'm healthy and young, and hopefully can practice law anytime when I'm 60. And <laughs> I thought right now I'm gonna go out and just you know see the world and see what's out there.
2: Oh, very cool. Well, I liked in your your second book where you you you're a very candid person. So you essentially opened up about this this whole experience or this uh, life change that you went through. And what I liked about that is uh, we read, read a lot of books that, where people are, are adventurers and everything seems hunky-dory and glory with them. But you <laughs> don't see the, the downside, you know, the dark side. So what I like about your writing is that you actually incorporate that and you let people know that, you know, I'm real people. I, I have these issues too. And you know what? You can turn this stuff around and you can do awesome things with your life.
0: Well, thank you. I I do hope to do that. One of the big things with Salt of the Sailor was a real fun book and a real fun story. And it's meant to be very humorous and, you know, self-deprecating, you know, this novice sailor. Um, but a lot of my friends and followers told me, you know, that's a great story, but that's not your real story. You know, that's not the big we know you. We know you went through this huge transition and we think that's the story you should share. And it took me a while to kind of think about it and wrap my head around it because um, it is it's like opening yourself up on like an exam table. You're just like splayed out and everybody can see your emotions and fears. And um, and, and a part of me, honestly, I, I wanted to share it and I was happy to write it. But I worry about being so young, you know, and I'm only 33 and people might think, oh, gosh, how can she have a life revelation, you know, and know so much. And I thought, you know what, people are if they're not going to like it, they're not going to like it. And I'm just going to have to put it out there because I think it's a story worth sharing and I hope it inspires people. And I found the majority of the response is fantastic. I have a lot of people that write me. And it surprises me how in-depth they go with, so they were stuck in maybe a bad marriage or a you know mortgage on a house or a job they don't like. And um, one guy told me his, my book was the Bible for his new life. And I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm like, did you read the Fire Ants chapter? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. please don't follow my lead. <laughs> but it's been touching. It's been fun to have people really reach out to me and thankful you know that I did that so that makes it worth it even if it reached you know one person two people that's enough for me
2: yeah absolutely well if you're gonna have a life revelation you might as well have it early on so you could spend the rest of your life doing what you really like instead of waiting until you're you're older and don't have much left
0: (laughs) very true that's definitely my sentiment and always my mantra so go now do it now
2: I think I mentioned to you in the past, my mom has become a, a reader of yours just because you know they they lived on the sailboat for you know seven years or so, and she okay. enjoys reading your experiences. You know, as a as a newbie, you know, starting with Salt of the Sailor, coming up through, and everything that you're learning, and you know the the crashes and bashes that you guys. Yes. Take.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. It's fun to it's fun to hear people that I try to write it like, and I'm I'm very like you know self deprecating and I don't know what I'm talking about. you're gonna be the first one to know <laughs> that I have no clue what's going on, and I'm just trying to hang in there. What we're doing now, everything on the boat um I don't know if you kind of follow it on the YouTube channel and whatnot, but we're doing uh we're repairing some rot rot wood and um right. fiberglass work, and I'm like. <laughs> clueless Annie, but I'm down there in the build with the gloves on with the guys, you know, we're grinding stuff and fiberglassing, And I'm I'm there, man, I'm trying. (laughs) But it's definitely going to be worthy of another book. (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, well, yeah, you're getting a lot of uh, a lot of writing out of that a lot of material. But the cool thing is, if you guys are sitting there doing that all yourselves, instead of paying somebody to do it, then you know, what went into it, you know, the inner workings of your of your boat, you know, so when things go to go to, to pop you know out there in the ocean and do something about I it i
0: love that you're saying that because um yes i I a hundred 100 agree but we're so we're such idiots we can't do it all ourselves <laughs> <laughs> we would screw up the whole boat we'd have to cut a hole in the hole and then we couldn't patch it i mean but we are doing it with um some good friends of ours that are that work at the shipyard and it's been awesome to look over their shoulder and really see how much work they do. I mean, it is no joke, those boys at the yard, the time they put in. And um, so that's been really cool. It's been cool learning with them because this was such a big, big, big job. Um, you'll kind of see we did attempt it ourselves, but um, that's when we learned, okay, we need at least one expert (laughs) down here with us in this village before we sink the boat. Um, But it's been cool to learn. And I definitely think next time, Philip and I would feel confident enough to, you know, if we had to do a fiberglass repair or something, a little more extensive than we've done, we've learned it. So that's a cool thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, knowing when to say when is not a a skill to bypass, that's for sure.
0: I usually say it a lot earlier than Philip. I'm like, uncle, 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 uncle the experts, you know? he's just so brave. I don't see how and some things he takes apart. And I'm so afraid when we put it back together, there's going to be like one little Johnson rod that we forgot. and It's going to blow up. You know, I just, I never trust myself with engine work. I'm always afraid to recrank. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen, but he's, he's really good at researching and reading and, and getting the confidence to go in there. And he's like, I understand how it works. This is what we're going to do. And I'm like, I've got your wrench here. I'm right behind you, buddy.
2: <laughs> That's right. First, first mate is on duty. <laughs> yep.
0: But it's been such a fun process. It's so rewarding to kind of challenge yourself and learn these things. And it's a really good feeling.
2: Well, cool. That sounds like a much better life you've uh, you've devised for yourself. So, how about some words of encouragement? You know, you got people in similar situations that are thinking, you know, that life sounds like mine. What can I do to to turn it around? How can I take that next step? That's scary.
0: It is. It is. And I, I, you know, I feel. I hate to be the person, you know, that's like, I have the advice, I have the answers, because I I don't, you'll see in the book, it was, I made plenty of mistakes. And I think that's the biggest thing that even if, you know, everybody can say, be brave, get out there and do it. And my biggest message is, you know, you are going to fail at times and you are going to hit brick um you know brick walls and it's going to be difficult and you're going to question yourself but you've got to just kind of be ready to make mistakes you know be ready to fall a time or two um because it's not going to be hunky-dory you know perfect um uh, it shouldn't be <laughs> that's it you don't learn from it that way so that's not the way it should should turn out but you know be ready to, to have those mistakes happen and have you question yourself that's okay you know and um everybody needs sort of the cojones to jump off that cliff but even when you do you know, that's not, that's not going to be the end. You're going to be learning the whole time. So just be ready for those. I always want to point people out to, you know, you're you're still going to make more mistakes and you're still going to find you pick other wrong paths. So just, you know, keep in the spirit, keep, you know, be brave, but know that it's a long road ahead and just be excited for the rewards on the end.
2: Yeah, you got it. Well, I think, uh, it it goes to say that, uh, you know, adventure starts when you let it happen, you know? So if you just take that first step and just be open to the adventure that, uh, that is before you and let it happen, then you're probably going to enjoy what what you decided to do.
0: Yeah. And he usually I mean, it's probably not going to end up how you ever envisioned it, you know, and it's not. It's, that's the funny thing is that it'll lead you somewhere you never thought you'd be. But it's it usually always works out whatever you're freaked out about or worried about. Um, you know, it may be tough, but it's going to work out like things just kind of work themselves out. If you're creative and diligent and just keep pushing forward with a goal in mind, you know, you're going to get to a place that's close to where you want to be.
2: Right, right. All right, So from some from some fun story times, you know, in Colorado, things have been pretty darn cold lately and we're finally just snapping out of that and I think down to your neck of the woods in Florida and I think man, I would like to be there right now. So, how about a fun <laughs> story? It's so cold. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you gosh, guys are it's probably sweating. <laughs> I'll take <Damn>. it. <laughs> So, fun stories that make us feel warmer and put a smile on our face. What do you think?
0: <laughs> I remember, like, I, you know, I used to be out in the sunshine and bask on the boat. The boat is in, like, shambles right now, so I can't even imagine. I, I, I forget what it's like to sail. But I will <laughs> say um, the last time we went out kiteboarding um, was <laughs> definitely a fun adventure. And it was the last time Philip and I were just talking the other day that we were out in bikinis and board shorts. And we went out and um, we kite Who is Who surfed. was wearing which? Uh, ha! Funny. Sorry, <laughs> he's got the man speedo. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Actually, I, I've worn board shorts before for kite surfing, sometimes for your harness, and um, this sounds terrible, but I call them the lesbian shorts. But they're those big basketball shorts that go like down to my knees, <laughs> and I'm like, I am the hottest dyke out here. That's my joke. <laughs> Only
2: Annie.
0: Only Annie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have been in board shorts before, but we were out there um, in Pensacola. The really cool thing about this area what we like for kite surfing is um you can have a uh, good north wind and you can kite on what we call like the sound side and the bay side where it's protected so it's the icw or you can if you have a south wind jump out in the gulf and kite out in the gulf on that side so you kind of have all directions there's at least somewhere you can go and find a really cool spot and we were in the gulf this day doing a, um, a downwinder where we'll start at like one point and we stationed some cars maybe I'm going to say a mile, but I hope I don't get Philip's you know, going to be like, we never kite a mile. Why did you say that? I'm that so just cool anyway. like dyslexic. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. 20 feet feels like a mile <laughs> out in the Gulf. But um, um, so we stationed and we did it downwinder and we're going. And I'm just now trying to learn jumps, Travis. That's my, my thing. I'm, ju- I'm, I'm like hopping, little frog hops, and I'm trying to figure out how to do it. And um, apparently, if you do all things right, exactly how you're supposed to do them, you fly like 20 feet in the air and I I didn't mean to, I was, I'd been trying, trying, trying. And I guess miraculously somehow little Annie did everything 100% completely right. I ripped out of the goal play. Of course I say 20 feet. It was probably like nine feet or something, but it was big for me. I'm screaming. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Lose my board and, um, my bikini top starts to come, um, undone. (laughs) as I land in the Gulf and I'm you know like a washing machine and I'm trying to make sure my kite's in the air and luckily I didn't crash my kite but I can feel it like coming undone you know (laughs) I'm like oh boy this is not gonna be fun I don't have a board I have to go to shore there's like no other way to get around this and (laughs) thankfully I didn't lose it you know what I mean because you've got you can't let go of the kite you at least have to have one hand on the kite often too just to make sure you're controlling it well but I've got one hand on my back sort of holding the, the bikini somewhat together and one hand flying the kite and I make it to shore and there's people around, you know, and everybody's watching because this girl with this big kite's coming up. We're a we bigger I crowd at this together. point. Do what? <laughs> There's
2: a bigger bigger crowd at this point, I'm, I'm sure. To
0: come in, come in. I mean, I, and I can't really take the time to you know, look down and make sure I'm not you know, slipping a little and things are moving around. But I think I held it together. And Phil so finally came to shore because he sees me just standing there with my kite at noon, which is kind of your sign, like, I'm, I'm going to quit or, you know, I need help or something. So he came up, and right when he kind of gets to me and he sees me holding with one hand on the back and one hand flying a kite, and I'm trying to keep my back to the crowd always. I keep turning around in circles. Uh, and he came over and thankfully tied me back together <laughs> uh i just i'm glad i didn't lose it you know like that i can't imagine because there's nothing you can do <laughs> you've only got one hand to work with it when you start to land the kite you've got to have two hands so it would just be an all-out show but luckily that didn't happen <laughs> so,
2: so are you now considering different kiteboarding attire
0: yeah, you know, it's fine I should. I really, really should because a good friend of mine told me that a long time ago she uh, she was teaching me, um, and uh, she <laughs> saw I came out my first day in my famous red bikini. I call it that because I've worn it from the very beginning. It was on my first uh, cover of Salt of a sailor. And I've had it for like three years. It's totally tattered now and oil smooth. <laughs> but I still have it. Like it's my lucky bikini. And now it's like my work bikini because I kite, kiteboard in it because it's kind of rough on them. And I still wear it. I guess I just haven't changed my mind yet. <laughs> that day should have taught me. But that's the last day we've kiteboarded this year. So maybe maybe I'll have to find something else.
2: That's great. Well, yeah. What I understand about kiteboarding and snow kiting is it's all—it's so important to keep that kite up in the air instead of crashing down the water. You almost forgo any other thing as long as you can keep that kite up in the air, right?
0: Oh, totally. It's—it's eighty percent kite, twenty percent board skills, and it's amazing how much you start to sacrifice mentally to keep that kite in the sky. Like it becomes the ultimate, most important thing in your life. I remember when Philip was teaching me how to, um, you know, initially, because you spend a lot of time flying the kite before you ever get in the water cause, because it is so important. And I would always keep my eyes on the kite, like staring straight overhead, you know, and he was standing in front of me and he'd be like, look at me and tell me your name. And I glanced down just like Annie, you know, back up in the kite, back up in the kite. I couldn't even look down long enough to tell him like <laughs> dress or anything. And now I can look to the side and just fly the kite completely blind because I can feel it, you know, before then in my hands, I couldn't. And, um, but it's so important. And so you're so focused on the kite. When I first started in the water going, you know, just a little bit left and right. One of my first times that I really got going and I was so excited and I'm watching the kite, of course, always on the kite. And I, pff, I kite right on shore, <laughs> just like Whoops. scrape the ground. Just thankfully, you know, luckily my board just kind of stuck in the mud and I just <laughs> belly rub all the way across the ground <laughs> and I'm flying the kite. I still got the kite. So I get the kite to noon and I stand up, I look around, make sure nobody saw me, you know, get my board and finally get back to Philip. And he's like, what happened? I'm like, what are you talking about? Nothing. I'm totally fine. He's like, look at you. And my front side is like swamp thing. I mean, (laughs) it's like seaweed, big clump of mud in my kite hook. I mean, like, just looked like I've just been drugged behind a four-wheel truck in a mud derby. And I was like, oh. I ran out of water. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, are you not watching happens. the shore? And I'm like, absolutely not. I keep my eyes on the kite. Hello. What do you do?
2: It's just water disappeared, you know? Just, it happens just, out if here. I in the had ocean. More
0: water, I'd have been fine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was my thing. He said he'd never met anybody who ran out of water.
2: <laughs> that is hilarious. That's great.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, that you, you guys don't seem to have mastered the, uh, the chasing of a howl yet. You know, as I, <laughs> as I was reading your second book, I was uh, chuckling because I'm thinking, is this deja vu or did I actually read a similar story in the first book? So tell yep. tell our listeners a little bit about that. And the ones that had heard the first episode with you uh, mm-hmm. will recognize the story, but it's, you kind of did it all over again.
0: Oh my gosh. the The story that's in Keys to the Kingdom, that was the mid sea mast climb. <laughs> I think I talked about that one. So if that's a story, you feel like I've I've gone all the way through. I just want to be sure. But in um uh, on our trip to Florida Keys in 2014, <sighs> Hal. We call him Hal. He's the main halyard, and um so we've given him a little uh, notorious nickname because he's a feisty little buddy. He'll <laughs> slip right out of your hands. It's so funny how you can, one time I actually yanked it out of my own hand, like I was pulling the slack on the other side, and I know how important it is to hold on him, and I yanked it out of my own hand, and I thought, oh my gosh, like how could you have just done that? (laughs) But you can, it happens, it's like dumping a cup of coffee in your lap to look at your watch, you know, you just, you do it. But let go of Hal somehow, and he's just swinging around like this, like fire hose in a cartoon all over the boat, can't seem to get him. And we made this Frankenstein contraption of the boat hook, which couldn't quite catch him. So we duct taped it to the fishing net. (laughs) So it turned into like this seven foot long, I call it like an old timey dog catcher net. And we're running around the boat with this thing (laughs) trying to catch Hal, who's about three or four feet above our head, you know, just dangling around, running around. And he eventually whips around the backstay, the backstay of the boat, just and he's I like four or five feet above the Bimini now. There's no way we can really get him, and it's late at night. We're crossing. I think we were going to Clearwater, so from kind of like that palatial area to Clearwater. So he wraps around the backstay, and Philip is like, "Well, that was fun." He's like, "We're not doing this tonight, you know. We just we shouldn't be out in the dark up on the Bimini trying to get Hal back." And um, which is a smart call. So we go to bed and um, wake up the next morning, and Hal has taken his sweet little time climbing. He was really quiet because he was real busy is what I say. And he climbed all the way to the top of the mast, (laughs) ended up up there. And so the weight of the line, we just learned, pulled him up. And so it was easy for him to just make his way to the top. And that's when, uh, Annie had to, um, you know, mid sea as we're going along and the boats bobbing over waves, uh, just pulled me up the mast, uh, using the bosun's chair and a safety line. And, um, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I've climbed the mast many times, you know, but always at a marina <laughs> or, like, at the dock when the boat is really super still. And it's no problem. You know, you just hoist you up and you go up and it's no big deal. Uh, I call it the treetop phenomenon when you're going over the waves. Like, which, what feels steady down at the deck below, about 30 feet up? it's like three feet this way, and three feet that way. And I mean, it's, it turns into just a wild experience because you can't let go of the mast. That was the one thing that, that freaked me out when I kind of got halfway up that I realized if I let go of it, you know, I'm just, just like Hal did. I was going to swing around kind of like a tether ball on the end of a string and just bash into stuff. You know, I can't prevent myself from turning backwards or forwards. So that got a little kind of, scary, you know, because I realized once I get up there, I'm going to have to climb the last bit myself and I'm going to have to get Hal and I can't let go of the mask, like all of those things. Um, but it worked out, you know, it's just something you have to, you got shaky legs, but you just kind of keep going and be as safe as you possibly can. And luckily uh, I got him and brought him back down and I was all skint up and beat up. And, but we've got Hal, he um, he never, um, comes off the mast, uh, the say the mainsail anymore. <laughs> we don't unclip them ever, ever, ever.
2: <laughs> no, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> we don't. I'm I want
2: to. I want to beg to differ because there was a certain chapter in Keys of the Kingdom* called oh, yeah. Annie uh, are you Okay?
0: This where... is now, <clears throat> now, now. That, that was. Uh, we took us two lessons to learn okay. this. Main <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to be a spoiler alert, but now after we had two heart-wrenching, like, almost near-death lessons, then we're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't unclip that.
1: Ever, right? Ever. (laughs) Maybe we should just
0: pull it back and cinch it. Like, that's smart, you know? But (laughs) you learn as you go. Little things like that. Sailing's all about kind of systems and figuring out, you know, just to... Tiny little fix like cinching back your main mainsail halyard can save <laughs> save a first mate going up the mast.
2: <laughs> Life's lessons, right? Well I gotta I gotta admit that I'm still a little upset with you for naming the chapter Annie Are You OK because the Michael Jackson song <laughs> will not get out of my head.
0: Annie, are you okay? Thanks oh, for okay. that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We sing that a lot because just today here's a fun little story for you. So we're re-rigging the boat, um, uh, which has been a very big ordeal. And, and a good thing is, like you said, we're doing it. We decided to do it ourselves with at least some friends looking over our shoulders. But we're learning it all. And we're taking off the deck plates, like the plates on the boat that hold the shrouds in. So they're on there. I mean, they've been on there 30 years and it takes a hammer and you wedge the hammer prongs under and you pull back. And I'm doing this, pulling, pulling, pulling. And it, the prongs pop out and I suck myself in the jaw. I mean oh. like, and fall to the deck. And I was like, and Philip goes, oh my gosh, Annie, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? And as I'm laying there, I'm singing it to myself, you know. But <laughs> I, do, I have a big red whelp right now. Like I almost wish we were on video. You should see it. I, I punched myself in the face today. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my day went down
2: you guys seem to end up with a lot of photos in your book with Annie's injuries. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I'm prone to it. It just seems to happen, but, you know, I try to be as careful as I can. I don't want anybody to think – I know sometimes we don't do everything 100% safe, and so I'm just, like, at your own risk. You know, we try our best, but stuff's going to happen, you know, when you're sailing. You're always going to get bumps and bangs and bruises, but I did not envision punching myself, so (laughs) – I got a pretty good right hook, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'm the first Solid connection you. there. That's good follow through.
1: <laughs> For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, BentGate is here to help. Bentgate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bentgate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. Never
2: run out of camp stove fuel again. The 180 stove is a natural fuel stove that eliminates the need to carry heavy, bulky fuel canisters. With a generous 6-inch by 7-inch cooking surface, it folds away into a clean, compact, self-forming case that is small enough to fit inside your pocket. At only 10.4 ounces, the additional weight and space savings allows for other important items in your pack. Get more information at 180tac.com and look for it in retailers near you as well as online. So take us through a a day, you know, when you're not tumbling off of of the boom and you're not uh, climbing masts and you're not punching yourself in the face. Take us through (laughs) one of the days where sailing is actually relaxing. What does that look like?
0: Oh, gosh. I miss that. What does that look
2: like? (laughs) There was one of those, wasn't
0: there? Oh, my gosh. It's funny. It's uh, December 15th. We pulled the mast on the boat. And since then, it's just been a total... Um, kind of chaos ensued with everything else that we found that we need to do. And I'm documenting it all in the videos, but it's been that long since we um have been able to sail the boat, you know, and I know it's winter, but we usually sail in the winter. And so we really, really going through withdrawals. Um, Typically like a, a normal, when we go out for the weekend, we head out to um, Fort McRae right around here. I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but there's three forts kind of at Pensacola Bay. Um, so it's really neat when you come in the past. There's Fort Pickens on um, the east side and Fort McCray on the west side and then kind of the lighthouse and stuff on the back. And so Fort McCray is this just secluded tiny little anchorage with what we call sand island next to it. And it's all this, this white sugar kind of sand that's um, I haven't seen anywhere else yet. I'm sure it's in the Bahamas and the Exumas and you know, beautiful places. But it's sugar white. It's like quartz and it squeaks under your feet. And so it's just solitary, you know, it's this beautiful, beautiful place. And we'll head out usually on a Friday, provision the boat, and we head out Friday when Philip gets off work and we're ready to go. We get there about three or four, drop the hook, and always it's um, cocktail time, (laughs) happy hour on planet's Rest. And you can sit there and just have, you know, a glass of wine, a drink, and watch the sunset. Like, it's it's finally just kind of you, your brain shuts down and you get on, we call it like island time as a joke. But, you know, it's it's a 45-minute, hour-long process. You can say nothing and just watch it happen. And it just, I don't know, it's like a reset button. Everything that was stressing you out or kind of weighing on you just sort of melts off. And the boat becomes the only priority. All you can think about is a couple of boat projects you need to do, what you're going to make for dinner, you know, and it's just this peace of mind kind of out there that's, that's that I crave. And that's why I'm so excited that we're going this year. We're going to leave October and head south again and probably go three or four or five months, go longer if we can. Um, but I'm ready to get back to that. It's been good to do all this stuff on the boat, but it's very stressful. You know, it's very time consuming and hard work. So I would love to get back to that cocktail and that sunset <laughs> and that slow way of thinking. <laughs>
2: yeah, sim- simple life and slow life. There's uh, there's no replacement for that, that's for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: I can't remember the last time I've seen sunrise. I will say that because you see it often on the boat. Your body kind of tunes in to sun up, sun down. And um, sunset, we'll see it every once in a while in between, you know, going to the shipyard or making dinner or coming home from the office, you know, and you just kind of slips by and you just like don't realize that it just happened. But it's never on the boat. Is that the case? Like you just always know sunrise, sunset, and you're just in tune with it. It's just just such a neat frame of mind.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a, an awesome time right now. Like I said, it's been cold up here, so I could take a little bit of that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you to get back on the boat as soon as you can and uh, and relay your your stories to the rest of us who are still freezing. <laughs>
0: thank you, thank you, thank you. We're excited. It should be about a month, um, and it's been really fun because I've at least been able to document it for the YouTube channel. Um, but I do have something I've been meaning to tell you. I was excited when you got in touch with me. Um I do have a really exciting thing coming out on the um YouTube video it's actually launching tomorrow. <laughs> and that's why it's been a lot of work trying to get this all ready and do all my marketing kind of have one will travel stuff while also working on the boat half the time every day. But um I know you're familiar with Patreon, right? Yep. Cool. And um I have been struggling myself to kind of figure out how to use that platform because I 100% agree with it. I think it's an awesome thing to help creators do what they love to do and people that love what they create, show them, you know, in a way that matters and helps them keep going. Um, it's good and it's it's fantastic. And I had several, um, I think to 20, a handful of of folks that were supporting me and we wanted to do something different. Like, you know, like, Hey, get us to a hundred dollars and we'll get a drone or $200 and we could sail to Cuba. And I was going to make a video, but I was just struggling with it. Like just I don't know, I just felt like it was about Philip and I and our needs, and i didn't I didn't like that personally, so I came up with a new idea. Here's what I'm doing, Travis. I am um starting tomorrow. the patreon money that comes in. I'm going to use it and match it so I can give what I call the gift of cruising um to one of my patrons and the first one I'm doing is you're very familiar with her, Pam wall.
2: Oh cool. You've
0: talked to her several times, and she's a sailing and cruising consultant, which I' hope I think you guys chatted about. And she helps people find their boat, you know, get the boat that's right for them, outrig it and go. And she's the most inspirational, knowledgeable cruiser you could ever have. First of all, just to give you a kick in the rear to say, go now and don't worry about anything because, you know, I got your back and I know this. Right. And two, to help you find the boat that's right and she can look at it and she knows everything. She can help you find problems and things like that. So I'm going to give her find your boat package to one of my patrons where they get Pam Wall as a gift from me to help them find a boat. I want to see somebody get in a boat this year and get cruising. I have, like I said, so many people write me and they have this dream and they want to do it. So I'm going to use Patreon for that. And I'm, you know, I'm hopeful it works out well. It may be kinks to work out because i you know, it's a new thing that I'm trying and trying to bring in the money and match it and Pam's on board. But that's the first one I'm going to do. And um, once I get to 200 a week, I'm going to give that gift to one of my patrons and then, um, just go from there. Like the next one, maybe I can give a sailing certification course to someone, you know, a couple that wants to learn how to sail, or maybe I can send them to Annapolis to a boat show, you know, I can gather these gifts and I fund them with the Patreon money and then give them to one of my patrons.
2: That's a great idea.
0: I hope so. You know, Philip and I were just, like I said, it's a new idea. And so you, you never know when you try something new, you always have a little, you know, growing pains to kind of figure out how to do it right and how it works. And we may make some mistakes along the way, but to me, it felt like the best way to use the money and to give back and help people that have been following me and have the dream too. And then we get to follow them. Like we get to see whoever wins, you know, work with Pam and I'll check in on them every once in a while, see how the boat hunt's going. It's a buy a boat, We'll do a little video on that. And so people will see it happen to real people, you know, and I hope that motivates uh, folks as well, you know, like hey here's a normal person who was working at the post office and Annie helped get him in a boat And he's now cruising, you know, I'd love for that to inspire people to get out there and do it as well So that's my idea, you know, I hope it works really well and I'm I'm launching tomorrow with the Pam wall Campaign at first. Um, she's a friend. I wanted to help her too And I think she's just an invaluable asset for anybody who wants to try to go cruising So I hope everybody will jump on board for that get inspired and get on board is my mantra and just a few dollars can help me give a really, really incredible gift to one of you, one of my patrons.
2: Very cool. Well, that reminds me of, you know, we had Kai Delaney on a while back. And I know you that were was, part yeah, of helping her out. That was one of my
0: out. inspirations, yeah.
2: Very cool. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. And I love that you're doing it. It's it's like a crowd fun to get somebody over that hump and, and on, on their way to their adventure. So awesome exactly. for you. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I hope it works. I'm really really excited about it. I can't imagine it not working. But if people don't donate, I'm going to find a way to at least give this first gift <laughs> cuz I'll feel bad cuz I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to do it." So, I'll make it happen. Pam and I will make it happen. But I hope people enjoy, you know, the the premise of it and you know, think it's a good thing to donate to and be a part of. And once you're a patron, you know, you're in the pool of folks and next time it may be you, you know. So, I I, I thought that'd be a much cooler thing to do. With the money, then oh, can help us get a drone or help us go here, or, you know, because we've worked very hard to do this and we're going to do this, you know, and so I want to, cruisers are so helpful. Like they, so many people have given right. us tools and knowledge and resources, you know, that I want to be able to give back in a way that I can. If I have a platform and a voice, you know, that's how I want to use it. So that's a really cool thing. So I'm really excited that you were able to talk to me right around this time. You know, if this airs in about a week, it'll be really interesting to see how this is going because <laughs> yeah. it's going tomorrow for me. Big day in the life of Annie, um, but do if you see it on there, you know, share and and spread the word, and and hopefully we can get somebody in a boat and get them going. Absolutely.
2: Well, now is the perfect time to talk about where they should go to see that Patreon and to donate there, and where they can find everything else about you.
0: Yeah, thanks. It's um, everything. The central hub is havewindwilltravel.com. dot com. Everything's there. You can see the link to my Patreon page, which would be where the Pam wall campaign is going on and you can donate there and you'll see, I've set it all up. Now it's my first reward that I'm going to give out. And then, um, on there too, is the link to my YouTube channel, which I do two videos a week. Um, that's been fun. A little, little tiring, but very, very fun. I've had a lot of people. YouTube is crazy. I mean, it's, it's blowing up. So it's kind of like the place to be. And it's, it's astounds even me how many people sign up, maybe like a day. And I just, I don't even know where these people come from maybe like 600 views overnight and i'm like who are these people watching videos you know i'm just like oh. get out there and do stuff people wait watch the video then get out there and do stuff i know i know it's kind of crazy but um the youtube's been really fun it's fun to just kind of let my personality come out and just just roll with it it's been i've really really enjoyed that but um doing that my book links are there keys to the kingdom and salt of a sailor And I'm working now on my third book. I hope it will come out in probably two, three months. But um, it's going to cover my regatta that I did uh, in the Abacos last year. So that's really fun. And um, everything is there at havewindwilltravel.com. You can sign up to follow, do three posts a week, two videos a week. Um, The books are there. Anybody who emails me gets a free copy of the book all the time. Just shoot me an email. My email's there too. But it's AnnieDyke at gmail.com. Real easy. Anything you want that I can give you for free. Just email me. It's yours.
2: Man, that's not a bad deal at all. Just email Annie. She'll give you maybe your free boat or, you know. (laughs) Not that far. Yeah, no, not a
0: free boat. But I like your mindset. Hey, if if, if things go well, hopefully, I'd love to be able to do that. That would be awesome. When when the empire reaches. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Very cool. Very cool. I love it. So, yeah, go to havewindwilltravel.com and, and visit Annie and, and interact with her and get free boats and, and cars and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you're killing me free boats. <laughs> it's good that she offered that up to our listeners.
0: <laughs> I said books. Now, you heard that right. Free oh, books. that's right. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Funny. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, you're definitely not slowing down, uh, obviously. And uh, yeah, I didn't even know about the the next book coming out about racing. So that's pretty cool. It's got to be yep. a, a fun experience. So. Maybe we'll have you on again to talk about that, of course.
0: I would love to. Be Very honored. Cool.
2: Very cool. All right. Let's go back into some stories. Now, you guys, uh, you've been bumbling around the boat, and you have good days, and you have bad days. Other than climbing masts, what is another example of maybe a bad time? Things didn't quite go right. Maybe heavy storm, heavy weather. What could somebody expect when they're not drinking champagne You know, to sunrise <laughs> and sunset?
0: So true. And then it's funny, I, I'm not even sure it's a 50-50 balance. Like sometimes it's 60-40, it seems like rough times with the good times. I think the good times are just so good. It's it makes the 60% worth it. But um we recently had a pretty bad experience um sailing and it surprised us it was in Pensacola Bay because it's pretty protected. Like we usually don't get, you know, howling winds through here. But that hurricane Patricia that came through, I'm thinking now that was what, three or four months ago. And so we were sailing home from Fort McRae like we normally do, and we were expecting wind on the nose, you know, maybe 15, which isn't great, but that's fine. We can get home safely, and it's about a five-hour sail. We started out, Travis, and the winds just kept picking up, picking up, picking up. They got to, like, 25, 27, right on our nose, like dead on our nose. And I'd never thought about this before, and I guess that shows I'm kind of a new contemporary sailor, I would say, because probably, like, Lynn Party and the rest of them. Um, they've dealt with this a lot, but the engine wasn't powerful enough to push us forward. Like there was no other, it was as if we didn't have an engine, like there was no other way to move forward to get home other than to sail.
2: Going backwards just, is not an option.
0: Not an option. And I just, I just, I guess I'd never even mentally processed that. I was like, cause Phillips has the engine running, but he's like, I'm, he said, I'm going to kill it. He's just like, it's, it's, there's not enough, you know, we might be going point two. and he said, it'll take us 12 hours to get home and I'm not going to do that. And I was like, wait a minute. We don't have an engine, but it's just kinda you're like, okay, let's regroup and do this. So we we're flying our Jenny, tiny little sliver of Jenny, had it furled like a freaking beach towel. And um and it's right on our nose. So we are tacking back and forth. And I swear every time we turn, Travis, I feel like we're going backwards, you know, it makes mean, you tack like it always feels like, Oh my god, I'm turning so far off of my destination. And we made probably 30, 40 tacks like in the channel, just back and forth, back and forth. And it's so hard on the boat, you know, you can just hear her working so hard all of that and um a big lesson learned because what happened to us with all that tacking in the jenny when we finally it was funny we finally got on the one run that we thought we might be able to get home we made it past the little point that we had to get around we're going along everything seems great and we hear this pop, and the whole jenny just unfurls oh, a <laughs> jenny no. oh my gosh and i'd We're both shocked, you know, and I'm, I always, when I hear pop, like I look at the shrouds, I don't know why I just, I always think they're going to, one of them's going to pop and the mass is going to fall over. Like it's just big fear of mine. Worst part about sailing for me is the boat. Like I've never once really worried about my own bodily safety other than, you know, when I fall or something, but am I going to fall off and drown? No, I know how to swim, but is the boat going to bust something that costs 20,000? Maybe. So when she groans and cries out, like I'm freaked out and I'm all balled up just to make it stop. But I look at the shrouds. Everything's fine. Philip looks around. He's baffled. He looks at the cleated, you know, furling line for the jinny. It has not moved. You know, it's still there. And I finally look up at the drum and the furling line blew. Like it exploded. Just busted. And we learned later it was chafe. And so very good lesson. Check your chafe points when everything's all furled up and under super pressure like that because it had been rubbing on the opening of the drum. So every time we furled back and forth, this one little spot was just like rub, rub, rubbing on the steel opening of the drum. And it so it, it cut it right through. So then we have a full 135 Ginny out. We can't furl her in. There's no way to bring her in. That's
2: a giant, <laughs> giant flag.
0: Huge, huge. And so, of course, our first thought, you know, I'm like, crap, you know, it's terrible. You're worried about it first thought is you know i guess we can drop her you know you try to you try to turn into old-timey sailors like you know how would people really handle this before there was furlers you know people have been raising their sails for thousands of years somehow so we're like well we can drop her you know we start to get ready to do that and philip cranks the engine again and still he has not enough power to go like it's blowing probably 30 right around then right on the nose he can't he just can't fight it so we have to sail home 135 Jenny tacking that thing and 30 not when it's just, <laughs> you know, and it's I just, the sounds on the boat. I mean, you just don't, you don't even want to be there. You don't want to hear it. It sounds like you're, it sounds like you're tearing your boat apart. You know, and it's just, it's hard to watch. It's hard to be a part of. And if something catches if something snarls, like it's just dangerous to tack a Jenny that big and wins that strong. So that was really Really pretty frightening. I, that was, that was one of, we've called it one of our absolute worst sails. Now we've been in worse, like out in Gulf crossings, but we were often motoring or motor sailing. This, we were just sailing because there was no other option. And so that was definitely one of the worst worst sails of the boat that was just a terrible feeling but we got finally 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 it was about five hours you know of doing this and we made it close enough to the dock that we could drop the sail and we fixed the furling line and you know and lesson learned check your chafe points i'm sure that was what had happened but we just had never been in winds that heavy and didn't know and maybe it would have you know blown through anyway who knows but you always try to take away something from it but that was a pretty, pretty horrid day in the life of, of Annie in the boat. That's definitely not something I want to repeat.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, keep those to a minimum for sure. Well, the yeah. the wind and, you know, the wind has a ton of energy and you put a sail, you know, in the middle of it and and it's a lot of weight there. It's a lot of money that you could be uh, risking that's, by doing that's, that. And that's it is what pretty scary.
0: It's, it is. It's, and I, I just always think about the boat. I, just, I can't stand to put her under any stress. And I know I probably seem like a rinky dink sailors other people be like bury the rails let's go and I'm like it cost ten thousand dollars no you know, I'm like Take the boat. anybody else's boat I'll fail the heck out of it I don't care that's fine it's not my boat you know and it's my boat everything changes <laughs> we reap everything you know we're very careful but there's just nothing that could be done and that's gonna happen you know and I know that so we need to be ready for that there's a big reason why we're re-rigging now because we want everything to be as po- strong as it possibly can be because you're going to find yourself in situations like that and the boat's just going to have to be able to handle it or it's not. So best thing you can do is just be prepared, you know, ready your boat.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be able to rely on that equipment at the same time. You know, when that stuff fails, it's very likely to be in the very wrong time. You know, timing oh. is, is always the worst <laughs> when it comes to that
0: what is it that Captain Ron, if it's going to happen, it'll happen out there. It's not going to happen on some sunshiny nice day. No, heck no. That's right. Absolutely not. Murphy
2: doesn't work that way.
0: No, (laughs) sadly
1: Slowboat to the Bahamas is a funny look at getting the sailing bug, preparing for, and going on the big trip with a four-year-old and a four-pound dog. Linus Wilson recounts how his family sailed from New Orleans to the Bahamas in 2015. In its first week, Slowboat to the Bahamas Kindle version was the number one bestseller in all three of its categories, Sailing Narratives, Bahamas, and Cruises. And as you can tell from the podcast we had with Linus, this book's gotta be a hoot. Pick up your copy today.
2: I don't normally ask this question, but because you are Annie Dyke, um, oh <laughs> and you have some fun stories, and you've opened yourself up in your in your book and your writing. I want an embarrassing moment. Now, you guys, learning you know, learning the ropes, so to speak, uh, in in sailing, have probably been in a, a few pickles that uh, that that came funny stories came out of. So, what,
0: what might be an embarrassing oh, tale? That's funny. There's probably so many of them.
2: <laughs> I've read your books, okay?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I'm like there's so I will think of one that Philip may be a little mortified if I tell this, but it was all me, it was all my fault. So um I don't hold the helm too much, you know, and I don't think there's any hidden secret about that. Phil Philip is an excellent helmsman. He loves to hold the wheel. And I do all the sails. I love the manual labor of the sails. And and then I get up every maybe like 15, 20 minutes, help him tack and get back to my book. And I love it that way. That's that's what I love to do. He loves to actually sail the boat. Um, But I can hold the wheel. And we try often to make me do things, dock, you know, and tack and do a lot of stuff. So I know exactly what I'm doing. And um, I'm decent. You know, I'm nowhere near Philip. He's just got the better feel for it. But one day we're out there in the bay (laughs) and we thought, let's give Annie some practice. You know, let's let her... Have the wheel and we'll tack some and do some different drills that we don't normally do. You know, just always you want to keep the rust knocked off. And we're sailing and everything's going great. And we pass one of my followers, like, uh, I can't remember the name now, of the boat. Uh, But they were sailing by and so they hail us on the radio. And they're like, hey, we're fans of How will Travel. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Good to see you guys. I know it's Eric is uh, his name. And we're chatting with him. And so we're going to like, hey, let's sail right next to each other and do a little, you know, sail by, blow by, whatever, and, and get some pictures. And they'd say, okay, great. And so I go to tack the boat to turn towards them. And I turn the wrong way off the wind to tack. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to make the wind pass, you know, over the bow. And I just turn the wrong way. And the sail gets all back winded and Philip too. He doesn't do the sails a lot. So he's struggling a little bit to remember what to do. And I mean, we got completely goobered, like our sail all caught up, (laughs) tangled up. And they're like, Oh, we know you. You're that experienced sailor who writes books and stuff. (laughs) And I'm like, we could never catch up to him because Annie got us so goobered we couldn't get tracked. Oh, that's hilarious! (laughs) To come up to him, but it can happen. It's just you know your the, your mind can play tricks on you about which way to turn or which rope to pull or you know if you say a starboard tack, report tack, you can just get real mixed up, and that's right. fine. But right in front of them, like I was like, oh my god, Philip was mortified. Like he, I could see his ears were red. He was embarrassed. <laughs> No, I know. he's the and I'm like, oh, i sorry, honey. <laughs>
2: like, I am yeah. doing everything to do this right, and she <laughs> screws it up <laughs> right exactly. in front of an audience.
0: Wanted to say, you know, because we're probably so far away, they can't tell that I have the wheel. I'm sure <laughs> he wanted to get on the radio and be like, Annie was driving. It's totally Annie, and I would have been like, I'm right. I was. It was me. It was me. But he was just. <laughs> So embarrassed, being a very good sailor, you know, good captain. That was, oh, that did not sit well.
2: <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. Good one, good one. I'm glad I asked the question. <laughs> All, right, All right, so last question. Um, oh
0: no, one more. Jeez. Yeah,
2: the the time has Ow. gone that quickly. What's on the horizon for you guys? What do you What are your big plans um, to get off of uh, off the coast of Florida and Yeah, and I'm
0: move glad on? you asked. Huge, huge plan. Um, it was funny when it happened, we were kind of talking maybe Novemberish, end of October. Um, I knew what happened. There was a rally that goes from Pensacola to Cuba. I don't know if you're familiar with this and it goes every other year. They just, they just started it this year was the first one because you can go to Cuba, but they've decided to do it every other year. And I think 10 or 15 boats went and we were about to go on board another person's boat because it, it takes a lot of paperwork to get your boat all lined up and we weren't ready to do that. And so we were going to go and crew on another person's boat. And it didn't turn out that we could for whatever reason. But we were there watching as all these boats were like going through the Pensacola Pass headed to Cuba. And if you want something to really kick you in the rear end, we were like, oh, man, like, yeah, that should totally be us.
2: Like, why am I not part of that?
0: Yeah, it was kind of disheartening. I mean, you're waving off your friends. You're excited for them. But you want to be there on their boat going, you know. And so that was kind of a turning point for us. We're like, that's it. Next year, you know, that we're going. We're going to do this. We're either going to to Cuba or Islam Harris or the Keys or Bahamas or let's do this. And we were like, okay, let's start talking budget time, blah, blah, blah. The minute we make that decision, Travis, (laughs) I think the next weekend we found the rotten stringer on the boat. Oh no, (laughs) of course. I know. know. And so I'm sure you've seen it in the videos. It was kind of like, we had this conversation earlier about how when you, sometimes you think things happen and they're bad luck or misfortune. And when you look back on it, like a month or two later, you're like, you know what? That happened exactly like it was supposed to, and it turned out better. And that's worked here. But when that happened, we went, oh yeah, you because know, we just knew that was gonna be a huge fix. We're gonna have to pull the mast to fix it. You know, a lot of expense. But it was funny through the whole thing. We were like, you know what? This is not gonna stop us. It's not gonna stop us. We needed to re rig, so we'll pull the mast. We'll re rig to go. You know, sail south. So we'll just make it part of the whole process, and we'll just have a tighter budget. And we were like, it's not going to stop us. We're still going. And we found a lot of other things that need to be done. That Had we not done them, you know, we may have had a, a failure or other things go wrong. So it was kind of like the boat telling us, if you want to go south, I'm going to show you exactly what you need to do. <laughs> and she, like, showed us a little rotten spot that made us had to open up everything, which has been a great thing now. And we've been doing a ton of work. But we we're leaving probably uh, mid to late October, you Know weather wise and, and good weather window, and gonna start sailing south like we did last time towards the Keys. We want to spend more time there, uh, and we'd love to go to Cuba. Everybody's wanting to go to Cuba. We'd love to go to Isla Maharis. We'd love to go around and end up in the Bahamas eventually next spring. Um, so, this will be probably a four or five, six month trip. We may need to fly home and stage the boat and handle things at home, depending on work stuff, but we're going. We're really, we've been devoting everything to it time, energy, money. So it's, it's the goal is not going away. If anything, it gets stronger and stronger, the more time we spend at the shipyard and the more money that goes into the boat, you know, budget. We're just like, that's it. We're still going. We're doing this. And so it's really exciting. We're going to head out this coming season and really, really go.
2: Man, that sounds awesome! And hey, don't don't mind me if I just happen to slip aboard and and hide uh, down down. That's fine. I'll put you here. in the
0: bilge with those little <laughs> brush and the degreaser. I'll find a good place for you. <laughs> I can I
2: can grab lines. I can throw bumpers over the side. Whatever you need me to do, and so I'll be no, the second I put mate. I
0: the brush and the degreaser and the bilge. You heard oh, me. Don't, don't talk don't about know. lines and bumpers. you <laughs> hear what
2: I want to hear. Haven't you figured that one out? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, that's exciting. I'm, I love talking about it. It's definitely a fun, um, you know, image on the horizon.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Something to look forward to. And I'm glad that I'm actually glad you found the uh, the surprises on the boat before you went, because that would be it'd be a complete nightmare to find that stuff out underway. And you know, you're off, you're not, you're outside your home port, trying to get this stuff fixed. You don't know who's the best reputable person to repair it. And so exactly. the timing good.
0: It's kind of like the boat was looking out for us. You know what we decided.
2: Yep, I think so. Well, Annie, it's always a pleasure. Um, I always have sore cheeks after talking <laughs> to you, so <laughs> I can appreciate that. Um, have an awesome time out on the boat. I'm jealous, and we will definitely get people to visit uh, Have When Will Travel and come check out the Patreon campaign, uh, Gift of Cruising, and help yeah. you out there, and hopefully we can get somebody else out to experience the same adventures you guys are experiencing.
0: Thank you, thank you. That's my whole goal. So yeah, definitely get on there and support that cause. That's that's what we're all about.
2: Yep, go there and then go find Annie's books because she's giving the house away. She's giving everything away. So just go that's go go, go claim your prize.
0: Cool, <laughs> awesome. Hope to hear from you guys. Thanks, Travis.
2: Sounds good. Thanks so much, Annie. Thanks for listening to this episode. Now head on over to Annie's blog at HaveWinWillTravel and click on the Patreon button to see how you can join Annie and Pam to make someone's adventure dreams come to reality. And as always, do us a favor and subscribe to our show in Stitcher or iTunes and give us a like on Facebook and Twitter. Now get out there and have some fun.